Welcome to Inspired by Faith, a program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Emily Jaminette, and I'm joined each program in the studio with my dear friend, Michelle Fanley. This is a show to help you to be inspired by our Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope this show provides an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh in your soul and strengthen your faith. As it was born out of our friendship, we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sisters in Christ. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Emily. It's so great to be here. It really is. Today, we are diving into a topic that we've not talked about before. We're going to be discussing the importance of what is purgatory, something that we don't really typically talk about. And Michelle, our guest today is probably considered an expert in the topic. That's right. Susan Tassoni, the purgatory lady, as she has been known as. Do you know much about purgatory? What do you... You know, I mean, I certainly have, you know, learned as going through Catholic school. And I remember reading the old handbook, Purgatory. And boy, you don't want to go there after you read that book. But um, I think Susan has a really refreshing um, look. And she has a new book for children that really um, talks to you about purgatory that is a really great and relatable way to talk to about it as children. That's not scary, but, you know, really the importance of praying for the holy souls in purgatory. Well, let's bring her on. Susan, welcome. Well, thank you, Emily and Michelle. M-E is, 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 sounds like it's a nice combination. Aw, well, that, thank you. Susan um, Tazzoni has been a passionate champion for the holy souls in purgatory and is recognized as leader worldwide in the purgatory movement an award-winning author of 13 bestsellers, including Jesus Speaks to Faustina and You, Day by Day with Faustina, the Faustina, the St. Faustina Prayer Book for Adoration, Day by Day for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, and Susan makes speaking appearances throughout the country. Over a dozen cardinals and bishops worldwide have endorsed her work, and she is a frequent and popular guest on national radio and television programs, as well as social media. In 2013, she was released in a groundbreaking documentary, Purgatory, the Forgotten Church, and was on the cover of the Catholic Digest magazine in 2017. She also continues to work tirelessly to raise donations for masses for the holy souls. Uh, Susan was educated with a master's degree in religious education from Loyola University in Chicago and had the honor and privilege of being granted two private audiences with St. John Paul II who's bestowed a special blessing on her and her ministry for the poor souls. She has just released a new book called New Friends Now and Forever, a story about holy souls in which is a children's book about purgatory. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled. Uh, It's going to be quite a a purgatory season because we've done something, Michelle and Emily, that's never been done before. There's no book anywhere in the world, uh, four children on a book about purgatory. And I've got some good friends in other publishing houses, and I, I, it was just an honor to hear a very good friend. Maybe you know Sister Margaret Carey. She is um, from the Daughters of St. Paul. Are you familiar with her and her website? She's, been, uh, she's, she's one of the experts in children's books, and she, she's known me for over 25 years. In fact, got me going on, on how to speak about purgatory through their founder, 
um, Alberoni, uh, who was beatified and, and, and also um, canonized, that taught me about the basics of purgatory. And she waited for this for a long time. This book has taken over three years. And I, I finally showed it to her, and she said, you did it all. You got everything. So I, coming from her, it's a real compliment. So we've got the first ever children's book on purgatory, and I think it's really important to know, and maybe you're going to ask me this question, but maybe I'm going too fast, but, you know, how do you teach such a doctrine, a very difficult doctrine, to children, especially uh, about purgatory? And, she, you know, she was curious about, about how I did it. And, you know, at first you think you're going to cover, you know, the sin and and you know the effects of it and the catechism but really i did what jesus did and what did he do how did he teach the people he spoke in parables he told stories so new friends now and forever talks with the children rather than at the children um it's a, a you you tell a story i i didn't say if you look at the title i didn't say purgatory i said a story about the holy souls because it's people that we're talking about our family our friends our relatives so that was the uh, avenue i took and it, and it's a great story about twins uh, ben and hope um, and how they become prayer pals with Mr. Ray. Uh, he's an elderly from, from the parish. And I'm sure, as you know, you go to church, there's pew buddies you see every Sunday or uh, during the week. And so they, they be, they're, they, they're friends with him. And then they hear about his wife, Gloria, how Gloria had died, and how he was praying for her, and how he taught them to pray for her. And then along the way, they learn about purgatory. So we do it in a very gentle, warm, loving um, uh, way that's not scary for kids. It's a, it's a gentle tone suited for children. So we, we introduce uh, the souls in a very welcoming way through the friendship of the couple, of, of Mr. Ray. I better stop because I'm sure you have more questions. Well, Susan, we always ask our guests, the first question we ask them is to tell us a little bit, besides your formal bio, tell us a little bit about your faith journey and, you know, you know, are you a cradle Catholic, a convert, mm. and, and tell us your story. Um, it's pretty simple. I, you know, I come from a large family, large Italian family, lots of brothers and sisters, lots of cousins, lots of aunts and uncles. And, of course, you know, the Italians are very uh, devoted Catholics. And my mother, you know, had the, had the, um, the Last Supper in, in the house. You know, there was an image of the Last Supper. She had a sick call set that we used to play with when we were children. She had the Pilgrim Virgin. She had the Rosary. It's just pretty much what Mother Angelica uh, said. There were, there were holy reminders throughout the whole house. Um, and she was very religious. She was a part of the, uh, she was president of the Legion of Mary. Um, she was in the Alton Rosary Society. Uh, we were very active in the parish. And so all those seeds were planted in our young hearts, and especially the devotion to Our Lady. And many times we would see her with the rosary around her neck. Actually, when we saw that, we knew she was concerned about something. But, um, but pretty much it was a, a beautiful Catholic family with 
that followed the, the traditions and the devotions of the church, which is what we were trying to do with this book, because it is a typical Catholic family that I grew, grew up in. A couple, you know, that we had, that were twins, and, and, and if you open to the first page of the, of the book, you're going to see all these reminders. Our Lady, you know, greets you by the door. There's the crucifix over the door. There's the epiphany blessing. There's a palm behind the crucifix. All these reminders. So, so I, I'm really blessed because she was the one that, he, she and my father were the one that, you know, uh, of course, it, it comes from the parents, you know. They're the ones that um, basically teach you. They're the primary educators of, of the children. And it's in the family that the faith is first transmitted and lived. And so that's where I come from. And, and, and what we need to do, you know, it's up to us to pass this on and to keep alive these traditions, these devotions, these customs, these practices. Um, and we have to make these spiritual investments for all future generations so that peace is ensured um, for our own descendants. So that's my, that's my lovely, uh, so grateful background. Wow, that's really great. And, you know, um, Susan, we're talking about, you know, your new book, New Friends Now and Forever, a story about the Holy Souls. I would love to know, you know, what awakened in you this love as I looked at your bio and all of the books (coughs) you've written on, you know, purgatory and the poor souls. You know, was there a moment where you knew this was your mission to <laughs> Emily promote this? And Michelle, I did not sign up for this. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I went to Loyola, got my degrees, taught high school at a Catholic girls high school, loved it, except they were putting messages in my mailbox, the Benedictine nuns, to join the order, and I wasn't going to give up my Chanel lipstick. So <laughs> I, I decided I, I better leave and, and find out if, if I really do want to continue to, you know, to teach theology. I was only 25 years old. You know, I think I needed a little more experience. So I left and, and, and joined, uh, you know, I was in the corporate world. I was in advertising for several years. Knowing that if you look at your life pattern, one job, he leads you to another. One's connected uh, to the other. Um, but this, this came uh, from a, a, a shrine that I had visited. And our Sunday visitor, you know, has published all my purgatory books. And they said, people are asking about your story. I'm like, well, it's not that exciting, but but I did write about it in praying with the saints for the holy souls, and I had gone to a um, to a, uh, a, a Marian shrine, and for whatever reasons, um, and I had a leg injury. I was I almost died literally on on the feast of Saint Susanna, August 11th, uh, 1980, uh, 1983. I had was working in in the loop, and I got hit by a car fell on the hood, he hit me again, threw me 50 feet, <laughs> I thought it was over, you know. My life didn't flash across my eyes. What flashed across is the Italian temper, thinking, how dare you hit me? Um, but it, after that, I had, you know, I've had this leg injury for many years that was permanent, and it was visible, but I could still walk. And, and I heard about, you know, this, this shrine, and I went to it, not asking for a cure, just going because, again, the seeds that were planted in our young hearts, the devotion to Our Lady and all the other devotions our mother shared with us. And I went not knowing it, that I would come back with the leg being, being healed, uh, permanent visible leg damage after 12 years being healed. And I just happened to be sitting here reading a book about, somebody handed me a booklet about purgatory. 
I just, you know, I was, and I was laid off from work because of the injury. I had to, you know, let it heal for many months. And so it was kind of like Ignatius, although I didn't need a conversion, uh, but it deepened my faith. I just read about the story about the souls, and I was so moved by that, how much they needed us and now how much how powerful they are to help us and how that, that you'd have 10,000 friends interceding for you while they're in the purgatory and even more in heaven. And I thought, hmm, well, you know, what have I got to lose? I could use all the friends I could get, and I, and I did. I started, and what they needed were the masses. So I, uh, I went over to the parish priest and said, I need masses, and he looked at me cross-eyed. He said, we have no priest to offer masses. Our mass book is full. Go to the missions office. What's the missions office? Well, every diocese has a missions office, and all those mass stipends that we send to the missions office go to these missionary priests that have no money to purchase bread and wine for the Eucharist. It's our mass stipends that do that. These mass stipends buy books for seminarians. And what do you get when you buy books for a seminarian? You get a priest for 40 years. After I learned all this from the, the director of the missions office, I started to click take a collection, still working full-time. Um, and so I collected a couple hundred dollars, and, and she, she looked at me, the nun, in, in, startled, and I said, did I do something wrong? She says, no, it just so happened that Cardinal George, who was the cardinal at the time, was begging her to find ways to increase mass stipends because there was none. And I walk in the door and say, well, here you go. And she said, I, I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I thought, oh, no, I can't, I can't do this. She's going to ask me to help. Well, she did, and I just ended up reading more about the souls and on the weekends going out to churches speaking about missionaries and mass stipends and, and, and the plight of the souls in purgatory. Not knowing, if you don't mind me mentioning this, because it's very significant, and if you look at one of the pages, you're going to see some tombstones. One of the tombstones says, Mary Patassi. Not knowing the day that I was hit, I learned, again, being already out in the field, speaking about the souls and mass stipends and sending them to the missions, that my, there was a great aunt that also was injured by a car 50 years to the very day that I was hit. And when I learned about it, I, sh- I just shook. I, and what I learned was that the priest was telling me that some, so did she, did she make it? No. She died. She died. 50 years later, to the day, I get hit and I survive. And I knew that there was something to this, so I talked to the priest about it, and he said, sometimes um, an, a sacrifice is made in the family for a greater cause. And he said, your life was spared, and this is what your mission is, if you choose to. You don't have to choose. God gives you options to, you know, it's your decision. And I thought, no one's going to take this away from me. And so from 1993 up until today, never thinking that this would get to be this worldwide, um, I've been doing that. But, but So that's it in a nutshell. Wow, this is very inspiring. I mean, that's that's the point of why Michelle and I have this show, you know, Inspired by Faith. I'm so inspired by your faith, by your yes, by you, you know, continuing to follow the trail. And I think that for a lot of people, they don't think about the poor souls. They don't reflect on their family members needing these prayers. So, you know, Susan, maybe we could take the next step in saying, what do I do from here? You know, we can... Um, go out and get new friends now and forever, a story about holy souls. You know, we're, what, what prayers do you recommend for these poor souls? What do well, you, well, what's the next Well, first of all, step? they're the pillars. 
don't mind because your voices sound the same, so I don't know if, if it's M or E. So <laughs> I'll just e. say, Michelle and Emily, the four pillars, they need the Mass. The Mass is the highest form of prayer. It's the highest act of worship. It's the body and blood of Jesus. That's what they need. They need the Mass. Either you offer your Mass or you have Masses offered, um, uh, or you, you, yeah, really, those are the, that's the key thing, is they, they need the body and blood of Jesus. A lot of people don't think of offering their communion and their indulgence when they go to Mass. They don't think of offering it, that you could offer it for yourself, but you can offer it for any loved one that's living or deceased. So they need the Mass. Alongside the Mass, the Rosary. The Rosary actually is called the Dry Mass, uh, because during the Protestant Revolt, I forget what century, it's in my Rosary book, the priest couldn't offer Mass, and he would send the people home. He would say certain prayers and send the people home, and then they would finish it by saying the Rosary. And the Rosary became known as the Dry Mass. Why the Rosary, Michelle, Emily? Why? Because it's indulgence, and, it, uh, and there's promises attached to it. So that's why the rosary is important for the souls in purgatory. Of course, Our Lady, if you, if, Bono, Borang, um, Fatima, Lourdes, what does she come with? She comes with what? The rosary. She calls it the weapon. So that's the most powerful marrying prayer on earth, and that's the second pillar that they need is the rosary. Alongside the rosary, the way of the cross uh, is very, that was my very first book um, for the Holy Souls. Again, why you're, you're meditating on the passion of our Lord, and you're giving them the indulgences, uh, you know, that, that's attached to that. Alongside that, adoration. And, of course, we have a beautiful book by Faustina, um, you know, uh, St. Faustina Perbrook for for adoration, uh, and those are the four pillars to help the to help. So we, we we have nine books on purgatory, on the saints, on the rosary, on on the greatest writings of purgatory. They're all there for everyone. But there was nothing for children. We have to get to the children, um, and that's probably why this was the most difficult book in all my 23 years. The most resistance, the most trouble, the most. I I, I don't should probably even talk about it, but. You know, I'm Italian. You're not going to get in my way. And, it, and I had enough people, God sent me, that we had to get this book to the children because they need to be taught. We had to find a faithful, a creative, an inspiring way to emphasize God's love, that it wasn't a scary thing, that it's a loving place, and that you're a prayer, Paul, and you have a lot of power to help them. Uh, so that I would call it the fifth pillar. We have to teach the children. Um, we have to form kind and merciful hearts. We have to plant the seed of God and prayer in these young hearts. We have to plant the seed of reverence for the dead in their hearts. And in due time, this will manifest itself, and it, you'll be assured of their aid when it's your time to be um, called home. And I, you know, I, with Benedict, what he said, he said, without these examples, without these traditions being passed down, these practices, these devotions, these customs, the children will depart in godlessness. Susan, I just loved in the book, you talked about um, when Mr. Ray's wife had died and the kids kind of said, oh, well, isn't she already in heaven? And I think that's how most people like they go to a funeral. Oh, they're in heaven. They automatically assume. But um, you talk a little bit about about when a person dies, they may not be quite ready to go straight to heaven and how they need to be clean, pure and clean inside out. So it was a really beautiful way to explain the concept of purgatory to children, but maybe you can dive in a little bit deeper. Maybe I know there are listeners probably out there who are not familiar with this concept of purgatory and, and what it actually is and, and, and why we want to pray for these souls. Yes. You know, it, let's say what it is, it's God's, it, it exists because of God's love. He loves us more than anybody else. He loves us more than anybody can. But 
But we, in our own selfishness, we create obstacles between us and God and between us and, and, and one another. You know, so, so there are things that are not perfect in us, and we have to be made ready to fit heaven. You know, heaven, you know, is 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 for for god loving people and a purgatory is god's way of bringing us to perfection there are things that in life that we should have done and that we've fallen short does that get you directly home no it doesn't because i've been doing research and most people will probably have to do some purgatory time but does that mean you know you can't go straight to heaven yes you can everyone can go straight to heaven by doing god's will that's how you can avoid purgatory but it's it's a loving purgatory it's trying to get you ready to stand before god to get rid of all the attitudes the the sarcasm really you know when people think i have nothing to confess well how did you treat the people at the store what kind of look did you give your did you give your 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 child it's your attitude that he's looking at. He's looking at your heart. Um, and that has to be pure because he's all holy. He's all pure. Um, he's all loving. And are we at that point when we die? So it's really a loving purgatory trying to get you ready to stand before him. It's not a punishment. It's not something that says, you know, you, 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 you failed me completely. Um, he's just trying to prepare you to stand before him. So the great question you said because I answer these questions, there's a section, if you saw that, for the grown-ups. How do you answer? Well, well how does he, if he's, does, if he's already in heaven, what, if he's, what happens if he's already in heaven? The prayers go to someone else. It's even bigger than that. It's called accidental glory. And I'm, Father Mitch Packard tells me to always bring this up when I'm on television with him. What's accidental glory? If a soul's already in heaven and you continue to pray for them, what happens? Oh, another person you know, benefits. No. Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas calls it accidental glory. That soul gets two things. It gets an increase in its intimacy with God, and it, and it gets an increase in its intercessory power. And so the, the lesson is you never stop praying for them because you're increasing that intercessory power. You're pushing them even closer to God. And that's in the Catechism, 958. You want to know? There's the answer. So you never stop praying for them. Did I answer your question? Because I think I veered off a bit. No, you got it perfect. Oh, that was great. You know, one of the things, too, that I'd love to touch on um, in the next few minutes is the importance of offering it up, right? And how that can benefit the poor souls. Because a lot of times for some of our listeners, we might be going to work. We might be, you know, mentoring our children. We might be in a situation that we just don't like it. And so there's a grace there, right? When we offer it back to Jesus. Absolutely. Hands down. You know where you learn all about offering it about, about sacrifice, about penance, Fatima, Fatima. And that's what I was, I was, that was in the back of my head when I was doing this book. uh, You know, the children, if you see in the, in the book, the children begin to pray more. And if you notice throughout the book, I weave the eternal rest prayer throughout the whole book. So by the end of the story, remember, it's a story, they should know that prayer. Um, so they begin to pray more, if you see. They were doing more activities. They were doing things like um, uh, taking more responsibility, and they were learning the power of their prayers and what special prayers can help release the souls, which we talked about, the Mass, the Rosary, the Stations. They learned about sacrifice, and that's in there, um, what they were doing. They were taking the dog out. They were eating their veggies. They were, quote, offering it up in a practical way for children their age, which was 
much like um, the children of Fatima, who offered their prayers. They gave up their lunch for the poor when they were walking along the road. I've done a lot of research. I've been to Fatima. I've done a lot of research um, on Fatima. I just, you know, well, our, all our lady shrines are breathtaking, but they gave up their lunch. Um, I think it was, uh, it was Jacinta that liked grapes. She gave up her grapes. It was Francesco that loved to console Jesus. Um, and so he would go to just hide in the church and sit before the Blessed Sacrament, which is basically adoration, and he prayed before the, uh, before, uh, before the Blessed Sacrament. They, as you know, they prayed the rosary while they were tending to the sheep. So we include adoration, we include praying the rosary in the book, we include the stations, which all directly relieve and release the souls. Um, so, um, so they're basically practicing, and when you do this, it has, well, what I wanted to say is what I learned doing research on them, they became saints. Well, how, do, how did these children become saints? They had heroic virtues. What were the heroic virtues? Guess what they were, Emily? Guess what they were, Michelle? They were offering up their lunch. They were uh, saying the rosary. They were things that, that, um, that applied in a practical way for their age. So, so any child become a saint, and how do we become saints? When we bite our tongue, when we don't talk about what you just heard from the neighbor, um, you know, when you just uh, put up with a phone call that's annoying. In fact, there's something, it's one of my favorite, favorite quotes from uh, Sister, oh, I hope it's here somewhere, yes, yeah, Sister Lucia, and I carry this with me, um, and I think this will answer the question. She says this, she, she says, um, our lady says, pray and offer sacrifices to the Most High. And Sister Lucia elaborated. She said, endure uncomplainingly whatever little annoyances we may encounter on our path. Sometimes it may be disagreeable, irritating, or an unpleasant word. It may be a misunderstanding, a reproof, a rejection, or an act of ingratitude. She said, it's necessary to know how to endure all these things, offering our sacrifice to God and letting things drop as if we were deaf, dumb, and blind. Repay those with a smile, a kind deed, a favor, forgiving and loving, with our eyes fixed on God. And I have this in italics. The fruits of our sacrifices is so that we may see better, speak with greater certainty, and hear the voice of God. And she adds, Sister Lucia, this is often the most difficult in our human nature, but it is also the one most pleasing to God and meritorious for ourselves. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us, Susan. We would love to have and talk much longer, but we are at the end of our show. So we are going to wrap it up with a quick prayer and our closing here. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the most precious blood of the divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my own family. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you for joining us on Inspired by Faith. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by this episode today as we interviewed Suzanne Tazzoni and her new book, New Friends Now and Forever, A Story About the Holy Souls. To learn more about this book, visit the EWTN Religious Catalog. To learn more about the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference and our mission and work, visit columbuscatholicwomen.com. And to learn more about Inspired by Faith, our podcast and the work that we're involved in, visit inspirethefaith.com.